Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and I'm thrilled you're here this week to listen to part three of how to have difficult conversations. So if you missed the previous episodes, please go back and listen to episode 56, which was our difficult conversation series, part one. And in that episode, we really talked about the key ingredient to having any difficult conversation is psychological safety. It is the most important thing that you need to have a productive, meaningful, and purposeful conversation to where two people, no matter matter if you're in a work relationship, no matter if you're at home with your spouse, your partner, your kids, no matter if it's with a friend, the bottom line is you have to feel safe in that relationship. And so psychological safety becomes the cornerstone of that conversation. And it's vital that you create that for yourself and make sure you have it for yourself. If you don't, um, I talk about how to um, build that and to make sure that you have that in the conversation. And I talk about how to um, how it shows up in the parent-child relationship as well. And I also talk about what to do when psychological safety has been breached in any kind of communication. So, you know, please go back and listen to that episode to really get the foundational piece of having difficult conversations. And then last week, which was part two in the series, that's episode 57, we talk about why we avoid difficult conversations. I can't tell you how many clients I have. And it was my story as well, because I didn't grow up with parents who ever solved or resolved anything in their marriage. I literally saw them fight. Um, They would just bicker. They weren't necessarily fighting a lot, but they just bickered a lot. And then all of a sudden we were sitting at the dinner table and everything was fine. And so I never saw how resolution happened. And I talked about this in the episode. And it's why I personally avoided confrontation for so long. Also, I tend to be a people pleaser. And I thought that I was, well, let me just say, I mistakenly thought that I was actually doing the other party a service by avoiding difficult conversations. But what I have come to find out through my coaching practice and my learnings throughout the last 10, 15, 20 years is that is absolutely not the case. If you're someone who likes to maintain good, positive relationships, that's great. But part of maintaining a good, positive relationship is working through issues. So as you all know by now, my husband's a therapist, and he talks about the power of 
really good relationships. It's not that good relationships never have anything that goes wrong. The true component of a successful, really good, deep relationship is how you work through the difficulties that come up. And that's why I thought this three-part series was so important to put out there and to inform others because I want you to walk away with knowledge and action steps that you can take and you can apply in your everyday life that help make you, first of all, feel more secure and more confident and more comfortable having difficult conversations. And I also want you to know that you can plan for them. I think so often we're kind of caught off guard, but you can absolutely have tools in your tool belt that help you plan for these conversations, which is what we spoke about last week, which is how, what expectations do you have for the conversation? How do you prepare for the conversation? What do you want to achieve through the conversation? And when I mean achieve, I'm not necessarily talking about, well, I want to get my way and I want the other party to see my perspective. You know, so much of going into a difficult conversation is around a mindset shift. Am I going into this conversation to truly understand the other party's perspective? What do I think that they're going to want out of this conversation? Let me put myself in their shoes. Let me empathize and understand where they're coming from. And when you can go into a difficult conversation from that perspective, it is such a powerful place to be because you're really going into it with the right mindset. So as I often do, I want to set up your listening of today's podcast episode with some context because I really want you to go into this episode preparing for a difficult conversation that you have in your life. It could be a conversation coming up at work. It could be a conversation at home, whatever it may be. I want you to really stop and pause and even put the episode on pause. And maybe you take out a piece of paper and a pen or your phone and you write down what is a conversation that I have coming up in the next week or two where I can apply some of what I've learned through this three-part series to myself. So I'll give you a few minutes to think about a specific situation. And like I said, if you need to, pause and then come back to the episode. And now that you're back, I want you to think about what is at stake in this conversation, both for myself and for the other person in this conversation. What is at stake? And I also want you to think about what does success look like? What is the benefit of this conversation going well? And hopefully after listening to this three-part series, you're not just thinking about that from your perspective. What does it look like for the other party? What does success look like for them? So that's my first question. And then my second question is, Do both parties feel psychologically safe? That has to be a foundation. If so, great. Then we can move on to the next step. But if not, what needs to happen to create that safe space? And, you know, this can come up in any conversation, whether it be at work or at home. 
But I see this come up the most with the parent-child relationship. So many times, kids just don't feel safe talking to their parents. And so much of this is our fault. Yes, I said it. It's our fault. And we don't make our kids feel psychologically safe because we don't create a safe container for them to express their honest emotions. And I spoke about this in um, episode 56, but I really encourage you, what do you need to do as a parent to create a safe space for your child to speak up, to be honest, to talk about their feelings and their concerns? And then really, we're going to be diving into the third phase of that is, okay, now I'm in the conversation. I'm having the conversation. It's either going really well, which is great. There's going to be resolution. Or it's not going well, and we're at an impasse. So let's go ahead and dive in to how do you resolve a difficult conversation? Because I'll tell you whether you're at an impasse or whether things have gone really well, the resolution phase is still the same. So I'm going to use an example from a situation that recently came up in my coaching practice to illustrate this. Most often, I work with professional, high-achieving women in their corporate careers who are either feeling stuck in their career or they're wanting to make the jump out into entrepreneurship. However, I work with a handful of teenagers, and I do this specifically, I work with ADHD teenagers, and I really help them. And I have a lot of experience because my oldest daughter has ADHD, as she explained in one of the episodes that we spoke about. So if you want to go back and listen to that conversation, it actually is episode 46, um, The Gift of Communication. And it's with my oldest daughter, Hannah Selfors. So I love working with young women and teenagers And again, I by no means am an expert, but I do have a lot of firsthand knowledge that I like to help parents with. So I'm working with this, um, let's say, we're going to call her Anne for the purposes of of privacy. And so I want to set up the context of the conversation of what happened in the situation and how this turned into a difficult conversation between a teenager and their parents. So what happened is the professor had assigned a test. Uh, It was a take-home test during the global pandemic. And the kids instinctually knew that they weren't supposed to be collaborating on this test. But there was never any policy per se that said that they couldn't collaborate. But they instinctively knew it wasn't the right thing to do. So three of the girls ended up collaborating on the test. They changed their answers. They turned their test in. And the next day, the professor said, look, I know that a lot of you collaborated outside of the class. I'm going to give you the opportunity to step up and to take accountability. And if you do that by end of day today, you won't be penalized. But if you don't, you will be sent to the dean and you'll have repercussions associated with that. So the girls talked about it and said, nope, we're not going to do that. He's not going to catch us. We changed our answers enough that we're not going to get caught. So we're not going to go and do that. So the next day, the professor reaches back out to the three girls and to my client, Anne included, and says, 
hey, I noticed you didn't stop by office hours yesterday, and I know that three of you collaborated and cheated, so please make an appointment with me to talk to me about this tomorrow. And of course, these girls are high-performing students. They've never cheated before. They made a bad decision. They should have taken accountability for it. They didn't. They waited. And now my client, Anne, is freaking out because she doesn't know what to do. and She doesn't know how to bring this conversation up to her parents. And she's scared to death to talk to them about it. So I said, you know, can you set up the conversation in a way where you just let your parents know that that's going to be a difficult conversation for you to have, that you understand that they're probably going to be upset, but then can you let them know in the beginning of that conversation, you know, look, I want you to know that I'm taking full accountability for this. I'm I'm learning as I go and I'm learning my lessons and I just need you to hear me. I need to share this with you because it's important to me. And here's what happened. And so she did. And she shared that conversation with her parents. She was obviously upset and and crying and let her parents know that it wasn't reflective of who she is. She made a bad decision. And I was so proud of her parents because her parents, you know, didn't punish her. Her parents didn't go into stories about their history and their experience and stuff that they did when they were kids, because quite frankly, so many parents do that. And it's not relevant in the moment. The child just needs to be heard. They need to be seen. They need to be understood. And they need you in that moment, especially as teenagers, to be their coach. I always say it's kind of like a bowling ball. They need to go down the lane by themselves. But when they get towards the edge, they need those guardrails. And you as a parent are their guardrails. And so the parents did a great job of really asking questions, trying to understand. And they empowered the girl and to go to the professor and to have a conversation and to be honest. But the sticking point was Anne wanted to go and admit by herself that she had cheated, but she knew in doing so, it was going to throw her other two friends under the bus with the professor, and she didn't want to out her friends. And so the parents did a fabulous job of talking through that with their child. And so they asked a lot of questions and they said, you know, instead of just being, well, why aren't you going to talk to the professor? You need to go do that. They really came from a place of trying to understand. And of course, by the way, Of course, the parents were upset. There's no doubt about that. But they held their reaction inside because what they knew about their child was that their child was having a really difficult time with this. Their child was a high achiever. Their child was already feeling bad enough about what they had done. They didn't need to add any, you know, they didn't need to add anything on top of that. And what they did is they helped the child understand So what are you going to do? How are you going to make this decision for yourself? Are you going to go to the professor? And if you don't, what are the consequences of that? And if you don't go to the professor and you basically stay true and loyal to your friends, what are the consequences of that? And what Anne was able to discern from that safe space that her parents had created for her to have that conversation is she understood that an F on the test was worth 
for her the loyalty to her friends. And it enabled her and her parents to have this deep conversation about values and what was important. And loyalty came up for Anne as a core value. And it enabled this really deep conversation. But what they did encourage, kind of as the guardrails, is they encur- they did encourage Anne to have a conversation with the friends that she was going to be loyal to them, but she was really struggling because honesty is also super important to Anne in terms of a core value. And by empowering Anne to have that conversation with her friends, they all three decided the next day to have the conversation with the professor, even though it was after his deadline. They all decided to have the conversation that they had cheated and that they apologized, and they all decided to say what they had learned from their experience. And because they did that, and because they all three came forward, the professor said, look, I know you're all great students, and I know you just made a bad decision. I'm actually not going to send you to the deans. I'm not going to punish you. I know that your punishment is essentially knowing that you made a bad decision, and I don't want to punish you. I want you to learn from this experience. You know, this is happening at a a time in your life when the stakes aren't very high, but I want you to take this as a learning experience and apply it to other situations because as you get older, the stakes are going to be higher. And I want you to know that, you know, this wasn't a good decision. And they all learned so much from that experience. And if the parents hadn't provided a safe space for and to really explore her own feelings and her own struggles, if they would have just told her what to do and told her how to resolve it, or even worse, what I see in so many parents, they would have gone to the professor themselves and tried to resolve it. All this brilliant learning would have gone to waste. And Anne learned so much from this experience. So I share that story with you to talk about how we resolve difficult conversations. And one of the things that we can do is at the end of a difficult conversation, you know, that was a hard conversation for the parents. It was also a hard conversation for Anne to have with her friends. There's three difficult conversations happening here. It was also a hard conversation for all three friends to have with the professor And so knowing that these three conversations are happening, I'm just going to take it from the perspective from the parents to Anne and that conversation. Any difficult conversation, if you're at an impasse, you haven't opened up enough questions and you haven't approached the conversation with enough curiosity. I just had this conversation with a mediator who mediates for a living, and I asked her this question, what do you do when you reach an impasse? And she said, you know what? We haven't uncovered enough. If we're still at an impasse, we haven't asked enough questions. So if you find you're at an impasse, think about what other questions you can ask to the other party to basically uncover more information, to uncover what's important to them, to uncover where there are opportunities for there to be collaboration and alignment. So if you're at an impasse, you haven't dug deep enough. I want you to walk away with that. And let's say there is a resolution. Let's say a difficult conversation comes to a resolution. So let's take Anne and her parents as an example. It's always important to summarize what was shared. 
And, you know, as parents to say, you know, this is what I hope you took away from the conversation. But what did you take away from the conversation in addition to that? And really open that up to ask the other party, what did you hear me share during this conversation? I want to make sure that we both have an understanding of what was shared and each of our perspectives. So you can do that at work as well. Let's say you are ending a difficult conversation. You can always say, you know, I just want to make sure that we've aligned on these key points. This is what I understand that we're taking away or how we're moving forward. Is that your understanding as well? So it's so important to understand, even in work situations, that we're still acting out our roles that we had as a child. So if you tend to avoid, if you tend to be angry, if you tend to uh, stomp your feet and throw a temper tantrum as an adult, that's probably how things got resolved for you as a kid. And it's really important for you to know that walking into one of these conversations. You know, I think so many of us as women, I mean, I'll speak for myself, but from the clients I talk to is a lot of people avoid They shut down. They don't want to lean into the difficult part of this conversation because of a whole host of reasons. They're afraid of being rejected. They're afraid of getting the answer no. They're afraid it's not going to go their way. But really leaning into these conversations from a place of being empowered, knowing that you have power in this conversation. You have the power to affect the outcome. And if you're leaning out and you're avoiding and you're disconnecting from these difficult conversations, you actually are putting yourself in a powerless situation. You're letting someone else dictate the outcome of whatever it is you're hoping to resolve. So lean in. I really encourage you. Be brave. Have the courage to lean in and have these difficult conversations. So once you summarize what was said, I always encourage people, whether again, at work or at home, follow up. You know, people process information in different ways. Some people verbally process it in the moment. That's me. I, you know, work with my business partner all the time, Lori, and I always am sitting here and I'm verbally processing ideas and thoughts and, and she knows that about me and she gives me the space to do that. So she's not just like, hey, get to the point. She knows I verbally process. And I've also communicated that to her as well. And so um, she gives me the space and opportunity to do that. Some people, on the other hand, need time to process a conversation. And so sometimes it's okay to resolve the conversation by saying, you know, look, we haven't resolved this. Let's come back to it. Let's circle back to it in a day or two. And then that becomes an opportunity for maybe emotions to subside, maybe for people to have a chance to really think and process on their own. And then, you know, make sure that you're following up on that conversation with whatever time frame you said you would. That becomes imperative to let the other party know that you're taking that conversation seriously. And with parents, I always suggest Anytime there's a difficult conversation, and by the way, this never happened in my house growing up, but it's something I do with my kids and they roll their eyes sometimes at this, but 
in the end, it's, it's always good, is I do circle back on difficult conversations we've had. And in Anne's example, I encouraged the parents to reach back out a day or two after things got resolved and ask Anne, you know, hey, I really want to know what did you take away from this experience that happened? What did you learn? What did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about your values? What did you learn from this experience? There's so many great questions you can ask. And the reality is, is that when we process our emotions out loud, those are the events that stick with us. And those become the memories that we can lean on and we can remember in our lives going forward. So you're actually helping integrate knowledge for your kids or for your coworkers, for your spouse, when you ask them to repeat, what did you take away from our conversation? And you have to do this from a place of pure curiosity. It can't be like, what did you take away from our conversation? Because <laughs> we've had those situations, right? But it really has to come from a place of purity. It has to come from a place of curiosity about what did you, I really want to understand, what did you take away from our conversation? And I also suggest offering what you took away from the conversation and then asking the person, did I understand it correctly? Or is there something that I'm missing? So those are some ideas on how to bring the difficult conversations to a full close. Checking in is a really vital part of that. So now, as a value add, I just want to make sure that we're tackling some of the difficult conversations that come up in work and how you might resolve those. So I actually got this from a blog post from Haven Life, and I thought it was brilliant. So I just want to read some examples to you. Um, One of them is when you don't agree with your boss's decision. And, you know, how do you do that in a respectful but non-condescending way, especially when that person is your boss? And what I suggest and what the article suggests is that if you feel strongly enough about your opinion, you should absolutely speak your mind. Any good boss is going to respect your confidence and you also may get rewarded in the end um, for your thought leadership, etc. So how you might approach this is, hey, you know, I wanted to talk to you about the recent strategy you put in place. I think it's a great idea. However, I worry the rest of the team will feel overworked and this may lower morale or engagement over time. If we do X, Y, Z, insert your idea, it may get the same results while keeping employees happy. I wanted to make sure I brought this to your attention because I know how important company culture is to you. However, I ultimately respect whatever decision you decide to make. So do you see how that's done in such a way that you're not getting into a power struggle with your boss? You're really letting them know that you respect their decision, but you are bringing an alternative and you're also explaining why, why it's important and why it may be better than their idea without it being offensive in any way. Another thing that comes up for most of the women that I see in my coaching practice is you are highly exceptional at what you do. And so therefore, everyone keeps adding work to your plate. They just keep adding and adding and adding because, well, Natalie can get it done. 
because she gets everything done. And then everyone else on your team is kind of just getting by. And you're the person that is sitting there with all these extra projects and all these extra assignments because people rely on you because they know that you could get shit done. Well, what do you do when you feel overworked? Well, first of all, you have to get through your own mindset of owning the fact that you have too much work on your plate. And I highly suggest you do that. And if you can't do that, I suggest you work with a coach who can help you say no. So feel free to make an appointment. But until then, if you're listening to the podcast, what do you do? First of all, you admit it. And you just admit you have too much on your plate. And it might sound something like this. Like, I've had some trouble handling a number of things on my plate right now. Would you be okay with me delegating XYZ to whomever, insert name, as they are taking up most of my time? Also, our new intern said she has some availability and I would love to get her trained up on this process. But, you know, your boss is never going to know that you're at full capacity and that you don't have any other bandwidth unless you speak up and let him or her know. So super, you know, important that you go with a solution on how you're going to handle it, um, that you're not complaining, but you are coming from a very honest place. And that can be a tough conversation for someone who's a hyperachiever to have. What do you do when an employee doesn't meet expectations but is a really great person? And that can be a really difficult conversation as well. It can be difficult to ha- let them know that they're not performing well. You really like them. They have a great attitude. But how their performance goes affects the entire organization. And it also it affects the team specifically. So how I would start out this conversation is absolutely, especially during COVID, is by asking questions. So I might start out by saying, you know, Tiffany, I've noticed that your reports haven't been turned in on time or that performance is seeming to slip. I just want to find out, you know, is everything okay? I know we're all going through a lot right now with COVID and I just wanted to check in with you to make sure there isn't anything going on that I don't know about. And if you feel comfortable sharing with me, you know, I would love to talk about it. And if they respond, no, everything's fine. Well, I'm curious to understand, you know, it seems like your performance is, is dipping in this specific area. And, you know, are you aware of that? And they could say, I mean, gosh, there's so many things that they could say, right? I don't have training in that area, or this has been difficult for me, or I'm feeling really overwhelmed, or I'm having some issue with another employee on the team. I mean, that's the power of questions. Instead of just making assumptions and going and talk to an employee about their poor performance, the question of like, help me understand what's going on, I'm noticing this, opens up such powerful conversation. And let's just say that it becomes a training issue. You know, I've had to take on this aspect of this project and I really am not trained on it and I'm having difficulty and quite frankly, it's just hard for me to ask for help. So I'm, I'm glad you're coming to me as my manager because I don't know how to do this part of it. Great. My response might be, you know, as your manager, it is my job to point out these areas and, and to notice, you know, where performance can be enhanced. And I am dedicated to making sure that you're constantly growing your skill set. And you're also, you also have the tools and resources to do your job well. So right now, I want you to focus on in on this area. 
whatever that area may be. And I'll set up some training sessions with our learning and development department so you can get the skills and the training you need to do this part of your job successfully. And do you see how asking a question can really uncover that and uncover this area where the employee might have had a hard time admitting it? But if we went into that conversation with our own story overlaid on top of it and just started accusing them of low performance, we miss out on such valuable communication that happens when we really open up these conversations. I hope that this episode and this three-part series was beneficial to you. I hope when you think about the conversation that you have coming up in your life, you can apply some of the concepts that we've talked about over the last three weeks to help you have that conversation with more clarity, with more confidence, with more courage. I'm really excited for you. And if you do, please drop me a DM on Instagram or LinkedIn or send me an email at natalieatcorecreationcoaching.com and let me know how it goes. I love to hear feedback from my listeners, and I would love to hear from you about how what you learned you applied in your life. And the context of this conversation and the reason why I did this three-part series is because after women go through our Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab, which is a 12-week group coaching program for women, we transition our alumni into something we call the Momentum Mastermind. And there... That's really where the rubber meets the road. And our topic for March was all around psychological safety. And in December, we talked about difficult conversations. And so we dove in this month on a really difficult case study with our members of the Momentum Mastermind. And we broke out into breakout rooms. And we talked about this really challenging case study. And everyone had different thoughts and different ideas about how they would handle it as a leader. And what everyone said at the end of the conversation was, that was really hard. Being a leader is hard. And I'm so glad I have the support in this call, in this room with these women to have these tough conversations and get practice and get input and get support and have a place where I can experiment and learn and grow in a safe space So I'm not making those mistakes out in the real world in my organization with my team. So if you're looking for a place to do that, please join us in the Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab. The conversations I promise we're having there are deep. They're meaningful. You will walk away with so much learning and you will walk away with a community that pretty much you'll have for life because these women are in community together and they love the community of women that they're learning and growing and playing with and experimenting with. So look us up. We, you can find us at www.womenleadingpowerfully.com forward slash leadership lab. And we are taking signups right now for April. We will start two cohorts in April. And If that's too much trouble, email me at natalie at corecreationcoaching.com. I would love to get you on the wait list. It is an incredible transformational coaching experience. I promise you won't want to miss. So if you want more comfort in having difficult conversations, if you want a safe space to try it out and to experiment, come join us in the Leadership Lab. We'd love to have you. So I appreciate you being here this week and diving in to difficult conversations with me over this three-part series. 
I'm so grateful that you show up here week after week, learning, growing, and helping yourself build new leadership skills. My goal is to dig in and ask the tough questions so we can uncover your true potential. I'm grateful you're here, and I hope you dig in and use some of the skills that you learn through this three-part series to just dive in and have those difficult conversations. You can do it. I know you can. I believe in you. So I look forward to seeing you here next week. Same time, same place. Have a phenomenal week. Bye for now. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now. Thank you.